Global Heart Design presents the Parental Toolbox Podcast. Hi, this is Dana Guido. And this is Jim Guido. And today we're here to talk about how and where to begin in the Parental Toolbox. Yes, we want to start where both parent and child feel good and comfortable. Oftentimes when parents are thinking of where they like to start, they want to solve the problem. They want quickly to go ahead and deal with the crisis and have a magic wand gift to them. So instead, we want to talk about where's the best way to start in which you will feel comfortable and your child will want to listen to you and want to learn from you. We call that stacking success, don't we, Jim? It's a term that we've come up with. We just wrote about it in the newsletter as well. Can you explain that a little bit, stacking success? Yes. Stacking success is just the idea that you create a positive experience in your kid and in yourself. You have success. And then you have another one. And then you have another one so that you get traction. And so you're just stacking one success on top of another. And then you start to get momentum and you create a learning environment where your kid wants to hear what you have to say because it's making them feel good. That also goes into motivational theory. There's all different kinds of theories that talk about the motivation of a human being. And when we stack success, that really makes a difference. It helps us build self-esteem as well. Wouldn't you say that? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's really like the goal in general of the book. Usually when you're trying to do skills and therapeutic work, first you want to build up self-esteem. The second thing you want to do is improve the quality of life, which in the parental toolbox, we focus a lot of energy creating an environment of mutual respect. And then the third part of it is that in the long run, you want everyone more functional, having success, not just in the home, but in all aspects of society. So before we get into specific chapters or what to read, we want to remind you that the other things that we talk about with stacking success is that we first with our child or with anybody when we're having any kind of conflict or we want something to change, is we want to connect before we correct. That's a really nice way to put it. Connect with the person before we correct what we want changed. Then also we praise before we criticize. And then we build before problem solving. So we're building in the relationship. We're attuning with the other person. We're creating, again, which you just talked about, that mutual respect before we start to work on problem solving. Yes, and one of the things we'll be talking about a lot, and we mentioned in the book, is to be clear and specific with your praise. Uh, Because the more clear and specific you are with whatever you say to your child, they understand it. They know what to do in the future to have you continue to feel good about what they're doing and how they're acting and what they're saying. So that's also what we talk about is you want to have skills over topics. We'll get to that more strongly a little bit even later on in this conversation about the importance of being a talking camera so that you don't label your child or have them feel bad with how you're saying what you're saying. So you'll still be able to make changes with your child in positive ways, but you won't do it in a way in which will, again, have them stop listening or have them feel bad about themselves or have them feel judged. Let's take a minute to say that again, because this is a term kind of like stacking success. And so now here's another term is you might notice when you're reading the book or you're listening to our podcast, Jim comes up with these little pithy statements and 
and what would you call them? Idiosyncratic <laughs> terminology. Yeah. And so another one is talking camera. Many of you have probably not heard of a talking camera before. And basically that's what Jim's talking about here in the talking camera is that you are being clear and specific. It's as if you are the camera and you are talking about what you are specifically seeing. You're describing it. You're being specific. So as the camera is catching what is actually going on, that's what you're doing. You are a talking camera rather than bringing in a lot of shoulds and your opinion about something and this is good or this is bad. You're just being specific about what you're seeing. That's the talking camera. Yes, it helps you avoid the pitfall of labeling. If I say the bed is is wrinkled, what we talked before that we like the pillow to be underneath the sheet, etc. As opposed to that bed's a mess. <laughs> so the bed is a mess isn't really being highly descriptive. It's a it's a conclusion. It's a label, and oftentimes it just has people. You know, flinch and tighten up when they're labeled. Where if you describe what is going on, it's a lot less threatening or intimidating or personal. I think that's a great example. And I think that you might have even heard those same words just recently about where the pillow <laughs> should go <laughs> on the bed. Um, so anyway, that's it. That's right. But that's anyway, that's the uh, talking camera. So we are, we are working on the tuning to our child or again, to anybody that we are working on these issues with. And we're working on on being reassured that we're going to get to these other issues. So now we can talk about the chapters that we would suggest. Most people that we know are reading the book, are starting the book from the beginning and reading it through. And while they're doing that, as something comes up, either a reference in the book or a question that they might have, they're looking in the index or they're looking in the table of contents to see where would this other issue come up. And then they're going to that. But again, they're going back to reading it from, you know, chapter one through the end of the chapters. There are some people that are asking to know maybe more specific of where to start a little bit different. And some of the therapists that we're working with are asking if they only have a short amount of time with a family or with a parent or even with the kid, where to start. So now we're going to talk a little bit about those chapters. Yes. So we've covered how to start. And remember, that's strength-based. It's positive. It's focusing on the good. Okay. So now let's talk about where in the book you can start to apply those ideas. So one of the early chapters where we start to create a good environment, what we call it chapter four is creating a learning environment. And that's to ensure that your kid is able to hear you. It's important not only to deal with what you're saying, but when you say it and how you say it. And likewise, that's going to also be very important for your kid. So your child, it's not what they're saying that may show disrespect. Oftentimes, what they're saying is fine, but how they're saying and when they're saying it seems to be inappropriate or disrespectful. So that chapter really gets us into the strength-based way of looking at things so that we ourselves are calm and ready to deal with this rather than tackle it or fight it with our kid that we're going to go in there and we're going to, we're going to be in there and we're attuning to them. Again, we're, we're with them and we're trying to make this change together rather than they're the ones that are wrong and they have to learn and they have to change. So this is what the learning environment is about. Yeah. And you can instantly see that if you're first starting off with complimenting somebody that they're going to be more willing to listen to. Just like when you went to school, 
that the first couple of days at school, they did review so that everyone could feel good and confident and get that stacking of successes going before they start hitting you with new material that you're really going to like be fine challenging. So then we would suggest reading chapter five, which is being specific, say what you mean. This is an issue that we want to address early on that when we talk to our child, we are being specific with our words, again, that talking camera, and we're saying what we mean. So we might go back to read the scripts, which is why we had that earlier in the book, because the script is going to help us be able to actually say what we mean. We want to think before we are giving an instruction or that we're giving some criticism, we're setting a boundary. We want to think about that. And so we're stopping a little bit and we're being specific with our words. And that's, in, that's all in chapter five. Yes. And each of these chapters we're going to be talking about all have a specific social skill that they emphasize. And these are the four basic social skills. The first basic social skill, which helps cultivate mutual respect, is following instructions. So you can see how important it is in the follow instruction that you're clear and specific so that the child knows exactly what you want done in what order and pretty much how long or how much time you think it's going to take them to do it. So then the next chapter is chapter six that we're going to suggest, and that's being firm. And that's really talking about being able to say no, because accepting no is one of those basic skills being able to set a boundary around something. Again, we're going to do that by being specific, but we are going to be firm with what we say, which is why we want to think before we say something so that we can follow through with what the boundaries are. Yes, and to review now, we should again emphasize that we talked about this being stacked in successes. So as soon as we talked about following instructions and we're talking about accepting no, I'm sure there's a lot of people like just wanting to go ahead and put the boundaries out and say what they want to say. Remember, the first thing you want to do is find them doing it well. We want to catch them being good, which is a section of the book. And we want them to have that success. So before I were to emphasize an instruction they didn't do, I'd like to make sure that I did a few times talking about the instructions they did do. Or when they have trouble accepting no, Try to find times where they do accept no. Most of the time with both of those skills, they do it well when they're not emotionally invested in it. And so take those opportunities and thank them for accepting no and thank them for following instructions. When it's something simple like, can you hand me the mail? I mean, that's usually not going to be something that most of our kids are going to like get into a temper tantrum over when you ask them to hand out pencil or mail or a spoon or something like that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we're looking at is to even to identify throughout the day, making a list almost in your mind, maybe even write it down of all the times that they are doing those things, the times that they follow what you say or they accept no, that you're looking for how many times they actually do that correct. That's really an important thing. And there's no uh, shelf life for it. So you realize that at dinner, your child passed all the things around the table and they put the dishes in the sink and they did all those type of things, which are just basic expectations that you have for them. After dinner, you realize, oh my gosh, they did all those things. Then go ahead and talk to them about it and praise them and tell them how much you appreciate when they help with the cleanup after dinner and making sure that unnecessary mess isn't caused at dinner. I think it's Stephen Covey that talks about in the uh, Seven Habits for Highly Effective People and his whole series of books is the emotional bank account. 
and these ideas that we're talking about is, is that you're building that emotional bank account. You're building that account that you have with your kid about the times that you are saying positive things and you're noticing the good. So all of those, we're going to help you. It goes right into then chapter seven, which is avoiding power struggles. And that is another one that we're going to start with being very clear and specific, and we're going to be strength-based. So we're going to be trying to avoid the power struggle by other skills that we can use and teach our kids, but also practice ourselves so that we're not going right into it for the big fight. Yes. And so remember the previous ones we've covered is following instructions and accepting no. In this chapter, chapter seven, we really focus a lot on the ability to accept criticism. And likewise, the ability on our part as the adults to give criticism. Mm-hmm. And so then that opens us up to chapter eight, which is the last of the four basic skills. And that's respectfully disagreeing. We want to have an opportunity for our child to be able to disagree with us, if they do disagree, to be able to state that in a healthy and a respectful manner. We talk about in the book that doesn't happen right in the middle of the discussion, that it might take 10 minutes or 20 minutes or something that they would come back to you about to disagree. And we go more in detail in the book. But you would learn how to teach your child the appropriate way to disagree with you. Because The appropriate way is not to be yelling at you, slamming the door, throwing something at you, ignoring you, um, refusing to talk to you for a whole day. Those are not an appropriate way to disagree with what you've said. That's not respectful. That doesn't create family harmony. And that's what we're going for. That's what our intention of writing this book is to help families be more harmonious. And that goes back to what we said a couple of times already, bears a lot of repeating. Oftentimes, when respectfully disagree is going on is that it's not what your child is saying but when and how they're saying it so we go through all the steps and respectfully disagree so that when they do deliver the content it still is respectful and even if sometimes they have good content but they're being mean or bullying or sarcastic then it kind of takes away from our ability to appreciate what they're saying And so then the last one that we're going to say today in this podcast is the chapter Embracing Ambivalence. We use this so often. It's it's unbelievable how many times we talk about it in conversations with parents, with kids, with the staff that we work with, the therapists that I'm supervising and training, the idea that we embrace ambivalence. In any situation, we almost always, our brain thinks at least a couple things about a specific topic. So we might like something and then we also maybe don't like it for some of its properties. We really like this ice cream cone, but I actually had too much of it. So there's ambivalence in it. So there's many different ideas that you have about one issue. And what we want to do is embrace the ambivalence both for yourself as a parent And to identify that your child also is ambivalent about issues, that it isn't all, I hate this, I only want to do this, I only want to be with my friends. They're ambivalent about that. And underneath it, they still do probably want a relationship with parents, with you or with other family members. They're ambivalent about it. And so we talk about embracing that so that we can identify it and accept it. Yes, embracing ambivalence is a very, very good technique to avoid power struggles because you can still validate the child's feelings underneath. And you can somewhat, even at times, validate some of their content. 
But you're saying also you could view it this way, or this is also true. Because everyone has multiple feelings on a subject, it doesn't become uh, a battle of who's right and who's wrong. Both can be right. So this then goes full circle to saying this is how we stack successes also, is, is that if we identify and we embrace the ambivalence that's in any situation, that helps us be more successful for ourselves with our child. It helps build self-esteem because we are identifying what's truly going on within ourselves. And so then we feel better about ourselves because we're honest with it. And we certainly are attuning to other people. And that's an important way to do it. So we think that embracing ambivalence is one of those chapters that's extremely important to read. We don't have it in the first few chapters in the book because we're kind of building up to that. But if you're only picking a few out right now, and that's what you need just for this, and that's what you're listening to this podcast for, please go ahead and read Embracing Ambivalence as well, or listen to it on the audiobook because the audiobook is out now. There you go. And I know we don't want to go long here, but there are two things I do want to say, and it's really quick. So two chapters that are very right at the beginning are also very good for you to focus on. That is framing. So in framing, again, this is kind of very similar to the Embracing Ambivalence, is that Sometimes our kids get locked or we get locked with a certain vision, a certain attitude. And if we see things from a slightly different perspective, then it frees everyone up. And so again, part of framing things, if you can frame things from a strength-based way and stack and success way, then oftentimes our children are going to be a lot more interested in what we're saying and a lot more cooperative. And the second one is scripts. And that's where we show care and concern for our children by helping them find the words that they're searching for and help them reword it. So we can almost help them with that respectfully disagree and that we can have them find the right words so they can advocate for themselves correctly. As I mentioned before, the script is also for us as parents that we can practice prior, we can write our scripts out as well prior to doing any of these other um, skills with our kids or with whoever we're using them with. For a lot of parents listening to this, you're going to be using this equally with the people you're co-parenting with. So these skills go across generational boundaries. It's not just parent to child. It's going to be child to parent as well. And then it's also going to be a parent to parent and, and other people that you have in your life. So those, the framing and scripts are extremely important in all of our lives. And it's so hard for us to stop because, you know, <laughs> that there's, there's just every chapter, I'm just thinking of every chapter of how it fits into this. And hopefully you will find that too. Again, the book is designed to be strength-based and have you enjoy being a parent more and have your child enjoy being parented more. And one great way to have that happen is through stacking successes. Yeah. So if you've got some feedback for us that you want something else in a podcast or you have some questions, Remember to just contact us. You can get us through the parentaltoolbox.com or you can email Jim or I. Um, in the parentaltoolbox.com, the website, there's ways to email both of us. And so if you have some questions or you want to have some dialogue with us, please contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. Take care. Bye. Bye. This recording is a production of Global Heart Design in partnership with Warp Records. If you'd like to learn more about this content, please visit theparentaltoolbox.com.